Now, welcome to day 38 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3, The Story of the Prophets. Uh, we're reading through the prophet Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah is, uh, you know, in, in our Bibles, comes to us as the first of the writing prophets. And uh, that's a very nice place for him in, in the canon because his prophecy spans the entire you know, prediction of God's coming judgment through uh, the execution of God's judgment and God's restoration. So uh, his prophecies take us from 8th century all the way you know, to the 5th century. Uh, very rich in his invitations and his presentation of Christ. The gospel is so rich. And as, and as I pointed out, it, it's just a magnificent book. Uh, if you just love literature, uh, you would fall in love with Isaiah for uh, the vivid images he uses, uh, careful way his arguments are arranged, the rhythm uh, you know that you find back and forth. But it's so much more than that. This is uh, this is the breath of God speaking. You know, not only to Israel, you know, a thousand years ago or you know, three thousand years ago, but this is uh, you know, God speaking to us today, to our idolatries and to the things we trust in and how our prosperity often leads us away from God to confidence in ourselves and our things rather than confidence in, in our Creator. So before we read, um, as always, we, we, we pause and we accept our, our moment in the Word as a, as a holy moment with God. We're not just looking at uh, print on a page or uh, you know a backlit iPad or anything like that where we're really coming to the presence of God to hear from him and respond to him uh, you know as, as we read uh, so uh, Cindy mind lifting us up the word of prayer and Paul by the way here with Cindy and David and Matt we're still in Denver still using hypersensitive recording equipment so you'll hear a lot of other things going on in the background and uh, we're sitting here still with Jesse Keefe as, as well but she has promised She's actually threatened not to even participate with us. <laughs> I think it's so that uh, she may escape the coming judgment by not participating with us. So, yep, yep. so, Sydney, do you mind lifting us up with no, the word of prayer? I don't mind. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Um, thank you for the gift of your word. And, Father, may even uh, this time now, may this word be a tool in our hearts and our lives just to reveal what you, by your Spirit, would like to teach us, Father, what we walk away and what we, we think about through this day. So be with us now in Christ's name. Amen. Chapter 3, verse 1. See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, all supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, and the clever enchanter. I will make me use their officials. Children will rule over them. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak. You, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But in the day he'll cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They prayed their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, disaster is upon them. They'll be paid back for what their hands have done. 
You oppress my people. Women rule over them, my people. Your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard and plundered the poor from in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. The Lord says, The women of Zion are haughty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, strutting along with swaying hips, with ornaments and jingling on their ankles. Therefore, the Lord will bring sores on the heads of the women of Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald, and that day the Lord will snatch away their finery, the bangles, the headbands, and the crescent necklaces, the earrings, and the bracelets, and the veils, the headdresses, and the anklets, and the sashes, the perfume bottles, and the charms, the signet rings, and the nose rings, the fine robes, and the capes, and the cloaks, the purses, and the mirrors, and the linen garments, and the tiaras, and the shawls. Instead of fragrance, there'll be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-dressed hair, baldness. Instead of fine clothing, sackcloth. Instead of beauty, branding. Their men will fall by the sword. Their warriors in battle at the gates of Zion will lament and mourn. Destitutes, she will sit on the ground. And that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, We will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. And, and there is a picture of you know, what you know, the Lord accused them of you know, in our reading yesterday, uh, you know, from the, the latter half of chapter 2, people who have depended on themselves finally find themselves in, in a crisis of which they have no answer for. And it, you feel you know, the world caving in on them as God leaves them to their own devices. And we're kind of reminded of you know, what Paul says in Romans, he, he gave them over. And here are the things that they have longed for. Here are the things that they have pursued. They ignored God. They didn't acknowledge him as creator or give him thanks. And so the Lord gave them over. And you find the sense of a nation in collapse, people turning against people, uh, young, mocking the old, uh, youthful people with no real wisdom leading. And uh, God says, I'm removing all these good gifts from you so that you'll know that they are from me. And I love how the Old Testament, I mean, it's, it's always what preparing us for Jesus. And, and we see time and time again, you know, throughout Isaiah and even here, especially, you know, kind of verses six and seven, it's, it's kind of a funny scene at first, but you know, he sees his brother and he, you have a cloak, you be our leader, take charge. But in that day he'll cry, I have no remedy, I have no food or clothing. Do not make me the leader of the people. And so you see this guy in his position, he's like, I, I'm not the guy. I can't lead. I can't provide. And so, so who's going to, right? And so, again, I think that points us to Jesus. He is the true leader who has the true food that will clothe us, that does have the remedy, um, and he can be a leader of the people. And so just fun seeing these little glimpses that these guys are insufficient, we're insufficient, but it points us to the one to come, Jesus, who is That's sufficient. Right. And, yeah, we, we, we look for leaders, and sometimes you know, even our leaders have no more you know, then a cloak, you're kind of reminded of the fable of the king having no clothes. And that's exactly, you know, what is happening, you know, what is happening here. You have two kind of rhythmic lists, you know, of all of the, you know, all of the, the, the people all take away water and supply, warrior and prophet, diviner and elder, the captain of 50 and the men of rank, the council of skill, crafter, and then the clever enchanter, which is, you know, the very end of the list. That's who you've relied on rather than, you know, relying on your God. And then you have, 
all of another you know list of all of the fine fineries that the women were wearing. So these things have become to you more important, you know, than seeking the Lord, more important, you know, than the poor. And I'll strip all of those things away from you in the city that's known for its fine perfumes. There will be be a stench, and of course, both literally and physically. Uh, I mean, literally and figuratively, figuratively being the stench of all that unrighteousness. Yeah. That's one of the fascinating parts of uh, 8 and 9. It says, Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. You know, and, and so much of what we read in this chapter, and even what's gone right before it, is the sin against one another in Israel. You know, and, and what, what um, Isaiah is pointing them to here is, your words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence, and because you haven't acted as his people. You know, you failed to love God by loving one another and, and seeking justice and, and seeking the welfare. Instead of seeking the welfare of one another, uh, you're seizing one another, you're oppressing one another, you're plundering. The plunder of the poor is in your house. And, and so th- there's a lack of concern you know, throughout it, it, Jerusalem to be the people of God. And what it is, it's not just that our deeds are against one another. You know, it's their words and deeds are against the Lord. No. And, and we have to remember, you know, the word justice is one that... Uh, you know, is minimized, you know, by those who are on, on the right politically, and it's it's blown way out of proportion by those who are on the left. And injustice is something that moves from the Gospels. He moves us to a heart of compassion for each other. And our concern is not just for our own welfare, uh, but for the welfare of those, you know, around us. So Paul captures it beautifully when he says uh, you know, none of you could, could consider yourselves better than others, but each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And, of course, that's what it means to, to love you know, the neighbor. And then you also see that, you know, tell the righteous, verse 10, there's just kind of a little gospel there. Well, there's a lot of gospel, actually, in all of Isaiah. You know, tell it to the righteous, it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. And the interesting part of that is a lot of times we read something like that and say, well, I've really got to get my act together. But even those deeds are deeds that are born out of a relationship with God in which we experienced as shalom. And so even our goodness is not something we manufacture by living according to the law or trying harder. It's something that God produces in us when our hearts and our minds are set on him. And so this is a picture of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how our worlds collapse when our hearts aren't set on him. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the wicked because disasters on them? They'll be paid back for what their hands have done. If you want to worship what your hands have created, this chaos is, is the picture, mm-hmm. you know, of that. Yeah. Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for passages like this that remind us <laughs> we are a sinful people, um, uh, people who uh, rightly so deserve um, your judgment, and, and yet um, we have one who's undergone that judgment on our behalf. And, and so we thank you for Jesus. Thank you um, for the reminder that that he is the faithful one. He is the righteous one. And in him, um, we are righteous. And so, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, time in it. Would you continue to use it to encourage us and transform us for your glory and our joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.